promotional consideration for Growing Greater Philadelphia provided by the General Building Contractors Association. This is the Growing Greater Philadelphia podcast, bringing you more of the interviews and stories from the Growing Greater Philadelphia radio program. Now, here is Matt Cabry. So it's no secret that all across the greater Philadelphia region, from King of Prussia to Camden to the waterfront in Wilmington, Newcastle County, Delaware, and certainly in Center City, Philadelphia, there is construction happening everywhere. It's kind of a cliche now to say that we see cranes going up every other day. And it's all starting to come together when you think about the team effort, the ingredients that are all mixed in together that help the contractors build these buildings. Buildings. And certainly you have architects who are designing them. But our guest today is really focusing on sharing with us insights around their relationships with architects and contractors. And that guest is Anthony Nacarado. He's president of O'Donnell and Nacarado. Tony, it's great to have you on the program. Great to be here today. So share with us, how do you describe what the team at O'Donnell and Nacarado actually do? Well, we're a group of professionals who essentially we provide structural engineering services for architects and engineers and owners throughout the Delaware Valley and beyond for their building projects. Right. So there, there's obviously a lot of different kinds of construction, roads and bridges and dams and buildings. And our firm specializes in building design. Gotcha. And that's that key ingredient that I was referencing a moment ago when I was talking about how important it is for structural engineers to play that key role. It really provides the glue between the architect and the contractor, the professional men and women who are actually putting these buildings up. We love to be able to service all of our clients, and we certainly see the general contractors and the subcontractors who actually put up the various components of the building as our partners and our clients when we approach new building projects. And the story of O'Donnell and Nacarado, I'd really like to start there because it does have proud, deep roots that actually go back to the 1950s and really the evolution of the name that was uh, established in 81 as the company evolved. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about that story and how you got involved as well. Certainly. My dad and his partner, uh, Bill O'Donnell, they were classmates and great friends at Villanova University in the 60s, kind of went their separate ways for a few years. And uh, Bill O'Donnell had secured a job at this small, single proprietor, structural engineering firm, uh, Seymour Greenberg and Associates. Okay. And uh, I guess was working there for a little while and saw that there was tremendous opportunity there. And I guess he gave my dad a call or they were talking. And, sure. and before you knew it, my dad was, uh, I'm, I don't know, nine years old or so at the time. Right. He's coming home telling us how he's going to be uh, working at this new company and the new company's going to going to have his name, and, and that was in 1973, Greenberg O'Donnell and Accurato. Right. 1981, Seymour uh, retired. They bought him out, and we've been O'Donnell and Accurato uh, ever since. I really love that, and if I understand it correctly, you know, Bill and your dad connected when they were at Villanova, training in the engineering space, going to Villanova's really prestigious school of engineering. And they made that connection. And for Bill to reach back out to your dad to say, hey, uh, there's something kind of cool happening over here, and you should come join Seymour and me in this initiative around our structural engineering business. Yeah, it was great. And if you you know really think about it, these are two guys that grew up in two different neighborhoods in Philadelphia, Yeah, went to two different Catholic 
high schools and then ended up together at Villanova where they connected and connected not just professionally, but obviously they connected as very, very good friends sure. first. Yeah. And Bill, you know, seeing that opportunity and my dad taking him up on it turned out to be just a fantastic decision as they were able to grow, uh, you know, our firm through the 80s and 90s into, I would say, the premier or one of the premier structural engineering firms here that's actually headquartered in Philadelphia. That, for sure. Yeah. And has always been headquartered here in Philadelphia. Yeah, for sure. So I want to dive back into the example you gave a moment ago, because, you know, you have a pretty vivid memory of when your dad came home from work one day and was sharing with the family that, you know, there's going to be a little bit of a shift in his career. Take us back to that kitchen table. And frankly, I know you have two kids as well, and you may use the same description, but how does your dad describe what he was doing at the time? And how do you describe to your kids and to others who were saying, what the heck does a structural engineering firm actually do? Well, look, I've I've been blessed. I've, I've been blessed to grow up with a, a father who is so passionate about what he does, what he did professionally. He's still with us, but and he's, he's still with us. He's retired, yeah. but you know, I see him all the time, That's which is great. great. He'll be heading to Florida soon, though, because he doesn't like the cold weather. Nice. But to be able to grow up to back in the day, and you know, we're similar in age, there were things like Tinker Toys and Lincoln Logs, sure. and I had the Erector set, and you know, anything that had anything to do with building things I was interested in, and, right. and my dad facilitated that for me. And so I was walking project sites and taking little pieces of reinforcing steel or a, a piece of concrete cylinder or whatever it was and yep. you know literally take them home and you know, have them on your table i was again blessed to be able to grow up in that environment but what i do and what i tell people all the time is engineers we design skeletons we design that part of the building that lets the rest of it stand up and be safe and i would say that you know many of the listeners if not all the listeners would say you know i would ask them do you ever do you ever walk into a building and say, hmm, I really hope this building is structurally sound? <laughs> right. It's it's generally taken for granted. Yeah, sure. It gets a little bit of hype when the you know when the hurricanes come through and right. the roofs blow off or if that earthquake happens and something right. or some sort of unexpected structural challenge, like a bridge has some sort of well, unexpected like the collapse you know, issue. down at Florida That's State. Right. Yeah. It's right. usually a dramatic event when somebody all of a sudden says, Hmm, yeah, maybe. right. That's right. <laughs> you know, the spotlight is shining on structural exactly. engineers. Yeah. Generally, we do our work in the backgrounds. It all gets generally gets hidden by finishes and, yep. and, and whatnot. So, you know, when the building stands up straight and doesn't uh, fall down, you've done your job. Yeah. So, folks, we're talking with uh, Tony Nacarado. He's president of O'Donnell and Nacarado, a structural engineer firm that is headquartered here in Philadelphia and does work across the greater Philadelphia region and even is expanding up into New York and, and to other areas. And, Tony, you know, one of the things that we do at Select Greater Philadelphia and that we're really proud of is business attraction for mm-hmm. the 11 County region of Northern Delaware and Southern New Jersey and Southeastern Pennsylvania. And your story is a perfect fit because you have projects going on in all of those communities. And I was hoping you could share with us a couple of the highlights of some of those projects you really are focused on and really are proud of. Yeah. Again, we have the benefit of being here and being here for so long. We've become a go-to consulting firm for many architecture firms that are located in the Delaware Valley. We've We've also partnered with many architecture firms that come from outside the region. They have a national practice, and they have a client that's coming into the area or expanding into the area or a hospital that's going to be built or a healthcare facility. So we're thrilled to be able to be in places like Camden. 
mm-hmm. where we've designed Subaru's new headquarters. Oh, cool. It's right. going to bring all those jobs into Camden, into downtown Camden. We were uh, proud to be the designers of Holtec's new facility in Camden. Yep. And right now we have an office building that we can look right out our window and see going up right there on the waterfront that's going to house three major companies. Again, moving, relocating into right. downtown Camden. That's great. Part uh, of the renaissance that we're seeing happen there. Look, it happened here in Philadelphia. Yeah. And we, uh, still is. And still yeah. is. But our firm in 1981, I mentioned, we moved into the Bourse building mm-hmm. in Old City. Yeah. And in 1981, it was a different Old City. Yeah. Fifth Street between Chestnut and Market probably wasn't as cool. Not nearly as cool. Right. And at night, you know, the grates would come down on Market Street and you didn't have all the people living in Old City. So yeah. we've been part of that renaissance and we've been part of renovating buildings like the Boris, like the Lip Brothers building, right. uh, like Wanamaker, City Hall Annex, many, many of Philadelphia's fine buildings, right. which have become anchors for even more development, newer development. And what we've seen over the last 10 years in particular this residential boom, hmm. all of the different apartment buildings and right. condominium towers that are bringing people back and living in center city proper. Yeah, that's right. And we're now, I think, we may be the second or the third highest concentration of residential in the in the central district. That's exactly right, yeah. If we're not number one, we're right up there. We're there. For sure. But I also recognize that, you know, you've done work in King of Prussia, at the court of King of Prussia, mm-hmm. down in Wilmington, Delaware, the Brandywine Town Center. Over in West Deptford, New Jersey, there's a massive warehouse called the Forest Park Corporation Warehouse. And up in Bristol, Bucks County, the USI Columbia Lighting Building. You know, these are all projects that you and your team have worked on over the years and in helping to kind of reshape not just what's happening in Center City, Philadelphia, to your point, but it's happening across the greater Philadelphia neighborhood. And it's really part of the renaissance. And where I'm going with all this, Tony, is there's a part of your business that is not just about the skeleton, as you were describing it, where the building kind of hangs together because of the work that structural engineers like O'Donnell and Nakarado are so expert at doing. But there's also this niche area that your team has become really accustomed to, and that has to do with ensuring the facades of these buildings maintain their integrity. Talk with us a little bit about that. So Philly's an old city. I mean, we have a lot of older structures, older buildings. Many of them are masonry buildings. Masonry was used many many times as a not just a facade material but a load bearing material and uh, over time older buildings in particular you get some wear and tear mm-hmm. weather and water and pollutants in the air all combined to create conditions that are oftentimes cause masonry and masonry components to degrade a little bit so it's incumbent on owners now building owners to have their facades evaluated on a five-year basis okay and uh, yep. that's a law that was put in place i guess about 10 or 10 or 11 years ago yeah and uh, we seized on that opportunity we had already been doing the work and we thought well this is a, a great opportunity to help building owners and clients existing clients and new clients to make sure their facades are safe sure uh, to make sure their facades aren't degrading because of mortar joints that are open or caulk joints that have failed any and, number of reasons and, and really. windows yeah. that are leaking yeah and uh, give them kind of a, a snapshot or a playbook, if you will, yep. as to how to maintain. Because yeah. it's not just finding the problems, then it's how do we then move forward and actually 
help them to fix those, those yeah. problems and those issues. It makes so much sense, and it's one of those things that we often take for granted. You know, you walk by a building, and you think, of course, it's safe. It's not going to fall or have some sort of uh, issue. So it's a really worthwhile, clearly, procedure that you and your team do. And, and again, it's one of those things that those of us who are listening and are thinking about the structural engineering space kind of take that stuff for granted. So thank you for doing that service. Well, yeah. We're happy to do yeah. it. And look, one of the things that makes our city great is the mix of the old and the new. Yes. We really care about our old buildings. We have organizations like Preservation Alliance of Philadelphia, sure. which I'm a board member. We're out there to make sure that we maintain our sense of place right. as a historic city, as a city with you know all the different history and all the components and, and how much we mean to the, to the birth of this country. Right. And if we're going to ask people to preserve their buildings, then we want to be there to help them do it. That's right. Yeah, that's right. It's one of those things that really makes, and I know this sounds cliche, but it's not. It's one of those things that makes Philadelphia so special. It's our history, and it's the the integrity of that architecture, and Preservation Alliance is a big part of that. I know one of the other things that makes our community so special, too, and that you're actively involved with and working with and through is the General Building Contractors Association, and I know there's a program that you help to establish. I think it's called the ACE initiative? It's called the ACE Mentor Program, actually. Okay. And yeah. Uh, yeah, GBCA is a great partner in that. We actually hold our board meetings at their office. ACE Mentoring is a really interesting program. It was founded by a structural engineer, yeah. Dr. Charles Thornton from uh, Thornton Tomasetti, a big-time international structural engineer. But he saw that scholarship monies that uh, universities had in New York, they couldn't find candidates. They mm. couldn't – they just – Kids weren't going into the, the right. engineering and the and the architecture programs as frequently as they were, uh, you know, with his generation. Yeah, and uh, he saw a need for our industry, and he also saw a need to help attract different folks. Yeah, and in particular, inner city folks, inner, yeah. inner city kids that maybe didn't grow up in the industry like I did, right. didn't have the opportunity to learn right. at a very young age. All the benefits that a career in the construction industry has. Yeah. And that goes from every gamut, not just professional, but also the trades. Sure. And people that, that are actually putting the buildings together. So ACE really tries to fill that void and to bring together professionals, yeah. volunteers from firms all throughout the city and beyond with inner city high school students, students here in Philadelphia, a couple of the other suburban areas around Philadelphia. And yep. I would say there's probably somewhere between four and 400 and 450 students actively being mentored right now through this program. And wow. GBCA is a great partner in that, as well as the AIA here in mm-hmm. Philadelphia and so many other firms and the schools that have engineering programs and architecture programs. So ACE, for those who may not be as familiar, architecture construction, engineering. That's it. And the fact that there's about four to 450 young people who are being mentored through the ACE program is really incredible. I wouldn't have guessed that many. And I love the concept that you were just spelling out that many young people aren't exposed to any of this. It all depends on their environment and the opportunities that they're provided throughout their young lives in elementary school, middle school, high school, of different tracks and different paths that they could consider pursuing. So to your point a moment ago, just creating the awareness that there's something that they could accomplish in the construction or engineering or architectural space is really special. And Tony, where I'm going with all this is 
What do you tell a young person that you meet and that you're mentoring about what you do, what they could accomplish, especially when it comes to being an entrepreneur? Because that's really what you are and what your dad is and what Seymour was and what Bill O'Donnell is as well. And, you know, it's you're running a business. It just happens to be in the architectural and structural design space as well. And I'd love for you to share with us how those conversations with young people flow. Yeah. And look, some of us are entrepreneurial and and some of us want to just go to work and, and work for someone and, and do their job. And again, I think through the example of my father, I've always gravitated towards the idea of you know not just doing engineering, but being able to bring the business of engineering to fruition and to expand our business and to make it better. Mm-hmm. I think what I basically tell students is, look, if you're going to go into engineering, be the best engineer you could possibly be. Do learn everything you could possibly learn and really be that sponge. Yeah. But don't forget that you have to communicate with people, mm-hmm. both written and verbal. Right. You know, they joke around about the engineer has the pocket protector. And yeah. We're always looking at our shoes. And we have some stereotypes, I think, that are, you know, not that far off. Sure. And I've always strived to never be that engineer. We have to always have good, strong relationships with our clients. And that takes just being a person, being a, you know interested, caring about that person and that person's needs and what it is you're going to try to solve for them. And I think a lot of it comes with just the experiences that when you start young, you're maybe not interacting with a lot of people outside your office, but then all of a sudden, as you get a little bit older, and a little bit wiser in the business, you start to interact with peers and other firms and leadership qualities come out. And the people that demonstrate that they want to lead and they want to be a leader in our firm, given that opportunity. And I'm proud to say that right now we have 12 partner principals. We're Mm -hmm. very much focused on, it's not just the names on the door, it's all the people that are participating. We have an ESOP ownership structure. Oh, cool. Which uh, really, I think, has helped us culturally make the jump from an entrepreneurial firm, two guys, to multiple people. And it's allowed us a great platform for ownership transition because of the tax benefits associated with it. Yeah. So you mentioned ESOP, but share with us a little bit more. What does ESOP actually stand for? ESOP stands for Employee Stock Owner plan. Okay. And it's essentially like a retirement plan, but the ownership of the company, when my dad and Bill O'Donnell retired, were moving towards retirement, a good portion of the stock that they were selling was sold, basically put in trust for the employees. Mm -hmm. And so the firm is about 60% owned by the employees. Right. What a great value driver for employees who are investing their career, really working with the O'Donnell and Nakarado team. And Tony, one of the things you just referenced a moment ago is the fact that the team that you lead has 12 principals. Mm-hmm. Share with us a little bit more about the size of the operation and how you guys have grown over time. Sure. We're uh, right around 100 folks total. Mm-hmm. We're predominantly located here in Philadelphia. We do have offices in the Lehigh Valley, mm-hmm. in Bethlehem. Yeah. We have an office in northern New Jersey, Union County. And in April, we opened a small office in Tribeca in uh, New York City. Nice. And that's a very exciting move for us, you know, to be the Philly kid. Yeah. And to be opening up in, 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 New in, York. The, in the big yeah. city, yeah. right? Yeah. right. But when we opened up in North Jersey five years ago, we were obviously very close to New York and a lot of the firms that we were working with are working in both areas. Yeah, a lot of the healthcare architects that we work with are are New York based, and we have relationships with them. Yeah, so it seemed like a natural. 
for yeah, us to sure. give it a whirl. Yeah, so this is a good pivot moment because Lehigh Valley, New York, northern New Jersey, deep roots in Philadelphia. Talk about the quality of assets that we have from a business perspective based on where we are geographically located. Everything from the talent to the ease of transportation and the cost of doing business and, and everything that you know and love from being a native Philadelphian. Well, I, it's all win-win from our perspective. I'm born and raised here, and I never left the neighborhood uh, that I was born in, And uh, other than going out to Villanova for a few years. Sure. But, uh, I think we're perfectly placed. We're perfectly located. We do work all throughout the entire state of New Jersey, north and south. So being in Philadelphia has always been you know, great in terms of being proximate to those locations. We work throughout the state of Pennsylvania. We work in Delaware. All of the schools... Literally, you know, the, the engineering schools, Villanova, Drexel, Penn State, Rutgers, Rowan, there's so much talent that comes out of those schools. And the lion's share of the, the young people that work for us are coming from those schools. Yeah. The cost of living of Philadelphia and the Philadelphia suburbs is a huge advantage compared to other cities. So I think being here in, in Philadelphia, it allows people to live either in Philadelphia or New Jersey or Delaware or Bucks County or Montgomery. They can live in a variety of places. Yeah. And the commuting in is, you know, it's not it's not always easy, but it's certainly not coming from uh, Long Island into Manhattan. That's right. And so I think there's a general attractiveness to the to the size of Philadelphia, to the fact that we have so much to offer in terms of of culture and medicine and higher education. Right. The Jersey Shore is nearby. The Poconos are nearby. Yeah. I think that uh, we've always been married to Philadelphia because it's our home. Yeah. And, you know, we might open in New York, but that doesn't mean that, you know, Philadelphia isn't always going to be our home and our headquarters. That's right. You don't love Philadelphia any less. It's all about good business. Exactly. Yeah. And it all started right here in Greater Philadelphia. Folks, we're talking with Tony Nacarado. He's president of O'Donnell and Nacarado, a structural engineering firm whose roots go back to the really the early 1950s. And the company really took off in the 80s, actually the 70s and 80s, when Tony's dad, Peter, connected with Bill O'Donnell and really established a growth trajectory for the company. And we were just learning from Tony that today they employ a little over 100 people and have uh, four offices, and the future looks really bright. And Tony, I wanted to talk with you a little bit more about that future. Where do you see O'Donnell and Nacarado going in the next three, five, ten years or so? The New York expansion for us is big, and we're, we're really hopeful that that's going to bear uh, some significant fruit for us. We already have some really nice projects. We're working on some a couple of parking garages for Amazon in, uh, in Staten Island. Nice. We have some work at Columbia Medical Center and some other nice projects that are that are starting to come to fruition. Yeah. We've focused uh, on some other parts of the world. I mean, the New England area is very attractive. I was just in Boston a couple of weeks ago, and, and, and that's an area that, that intrigues me, and mm-hmm. we'll probably uh, have a little focus on, uh, uh, you know, as we settle into New York. Yeah. We used to have an office in Florida, but that's become a separate company and certainly an attractive market. We also do some work in the Carolinas. So I think we're going to continue to look at opportunities to expand in, along the East Coast. Yeah, that's if great. If we can do some more of that over the next you know, five to ten years, I think that'll give us a, a really great base for our up-and-coming leaders to be able to continue to grow the firm and win quality projects. And look, technology is enabling our industry to work 
all over the place without having to necessarily be local on the ground. Right. So all the various technologies that we use now, I mean, we probably have projects in 40 states right now. Wow. Yeah. We, that's we, great. We, and again, we don't have to be there. We don't physically, have to right. physically be yeah, there that's right. to do the project. Yeah. And to and, do it well, because you clearly have a strong foundation that will allow you to, to continue to grow. I that did, was a great pun, by the way. Or, I'm sorry. Great foundation. Great yeah, foundation, you're right. So, yeah. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even intend that. That's, great. that's why it's the best way. Uh, <laughs> where I was going with this, though, Tone, I will tell you is I'm intrigued about the process. Is it a competitive bid process? How do you guys win? your jobs or is it you know good customer service great relationships with customers you've been doing a lot of work with so you know there's a naturalness to engaging your team on ongoing projects i would say it's a little bit of both yeah there is a competitive side i mean surely when you're doing government work you know and you're and you're responding to government rfps oftentimes that is a combination of qualifications and fee Mm -hmm. and cost yep so uh, our architects will, you know, hey, we're going to chase a municipal building here or a parking garage and there. And, you know, we're, we're competing against six or seven or eight other firms. Mm-hmm. But then on the other hand, there are projects on the private side that are more negotiated. Right. And projects, they, go with, they go with what they know. And, and relationships yeah. still matter. And developers have their go-to folks sure. and their teams that they know that they can succeed with. Right. That they know will have their best interests. Right. You know, low bid work is sometimes good and sometimes yeah. not so good. Yeah. Because you can lose somebody's attention along the way. Yeah, sure. Whereas... When you're working for somebody that you have a relationship with, certainly you have to be paid for what you do, right. but you, you're really always kind of working for the next project, too. You're sure. Doing, you want to do a good job. And those relationships are what make the business worthwhile, from my standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I really enjoy the people. Met some just fantastic people in, in our industry and people that I call friends, you know, would do anything for. Yeah, right, right. And, uh, and that's what really makes it worthwhile. Yeah. When you're in that competitive bid process, how do you help the O'Donnell and, and Nacarado team stand out? What's that distinguishing characteristic? It's always been service. My dad, uh, you know, learned service from his grandfather's grocery store. Right. You never tell any Italian woman no. Right. He's smart man. Yes, but. And to a certain extent, that's who we are. We're not the no engineer. We're the yes, but engineer. Try to always come up with a good solution, a practical solution, a cost-effective solution, but hopefully a simple solution, Mm -hmm. you know, or an elegant solution. Right. And what we do boils down to, in engineering terms, stress and strain, right? You put Mm -hmm. stress on something and you make sure it doesn't move too much because if it does, it got a problem. So the stress and strain of what we do is pretty easy in terms of, you know, you run the numbers and it comes out kind of one way or another way. Mm -hmm. It's the art of the solution in real-world circumstances the timeliness, right. the uh, the willingness to cooperate, the willingness to to jump in and help yep. when there's a problem, yep. to be available, yep. to pick up the phone immediately, to, to be willing to come out on a Saturday yeah. or come out on a Thursday night. Yeah. It pulls on your creative side, but it also pulls on your passion for and what you were describing a moment ago of your nuance around service. How do you go that extra step? And having staff who are willing right. to do it because of, again, the brand. Right. The brand that we've created, this service-oriented structural engineering service that we provide in the Philadelphia region yeah. to get our younger 
folks to see it the same way yeah. and to want to continue that. We'd like to believe that, that again, the ESOP and their ownership, their pride of ownership yep. has a lot to do with that. Yeah. And that we can convey, hey, this is what Bill and Pete always wanted for their firm because their names were on the door. Right. Right. And they owned it. Right. Well, you know, your names might not be on the door. Yeah. But you own it. That's right. It's yours. That's right. And it is a it's a pride thing, but it's also uh hey, we're gonna get rewarded the better we do. Uh, look, when stock value goes up, yeah. everybody's happy. That's right. You know, the last couple of years have been pretty good years. Yeah. Compared to where we were through the you know, the recession years. Sure. And the stock value's going up and yeah. and people's balances are going up. Yeah, that's not money they can spend today. But one of the things we can do for our people and for our, you know, we'd be nowhere without our people. We don't own anything. We rent office space. Right. We, you know, we have some computers and those sorts of things. But our resource are our people. Yeah, the talent of your people. And yeah. if we can help them attain some better sense of the rest of their lives and how they can live in the, you know, in their retirement years, mm-hmm. we think that serves us well now because they'll work hard. They'll work hard because they're going to benefit from it certainly later in life yeah. and have more security. So Tony, one of the things we were talking about is the unique kind of approach that your team at O'Donnell and Nakarado take when it comes to work on facades. But I suspect there are other kinds of characteristics and attributes that really add to the professionals that make up the team at your shop. And I was hoping you can share with us a little bit about some of those characteristics. We have a great diverse staff a lot of great young men, but a lot of great young women. Mm-hmm. There's a place for, you know, kind of both the engineer that wants to be behind the desk and wants to, you know, run the numbers. And then yep. we have these opportunities with our facade group that, you know, require you to get get on a bosun's chair and, and hang off the building and, you mm-hmm. know, be physically fit to do that and to be mentally fit mm-hmm. to do that and get a different kind of experience, a different, you know, more tactile experience. Right. We really encourage all of our younger engineers to try to do a little bit of both. But ultimately, you know, some engineers, you know, just are more comfortable being on projects, being on design projects and Mm -hmm. working in the office. And, you know, we do almost everything we do today is in three dimensions, three-dimensional modeling, BIM, Mm -hmm. building information modeling, which is just a tremendous way to capture information and transmit information to to the builders. So that technology component is really important because you're dealing with formulas and you're dealing with how to operate these sophisticated technology systems, if you will. But then you also have to, to your point, interface with the building. And, And sometimes that's a physical requirement to actually get out there and be on the building and then come back to the technology and input the information so you can come up with the right right outcomes. That's correct. When it's an existing building and you're evaluating a facade or if it's an existing parking garage mm-hmm. and you're evaluating concrete degradation due to salt, you know, and, and water and all those things, yeah, you have to get on the building. You have to we drag chains behind cars, behind a truck to be able to hear the hollow spots in a slab. Hmm. And then we go and we have the contractor fix those slabs. The idea of being able to see the defects or find the defects and be able to take that information back to the office and to be able to put that into a vehicle, into a set of documents that a contractor can now price. Because, look, everything we do ultimately turns into some amount of money that an owner has to pay someone to get it done, right? Whether it's a new building, how much steel is in the building, or how much concrete is in the building, or if it's an old building. How are we fixing 100 lineal feet of cracks, or are we fixing 2,000 lineal feet of cracks? 
And so what we do ultimately through all of our science Mm -hmm. and our art comes down to a menu of items that a contractor has to purchase and install to make the building stand up or to make the old building continue to stand up. And to have that successful outcome that we often take for granted unless we're in your business. No, hey, look, <laughs> for us, it's all about capturing it correctly, being there to assist the contractor to get the work done and get the work done well so that we can all move on to the next project. Tony, I'm going to shift gears on you, and you are uniquely qualified for this question, both personally and professionally. You have guests coming from out of town, and they say, Tony, take us out. Where are we going? What are we going to do in Philadelphia, southern New Jersey, or northern Delaware? Where do you say, look, we got to go here. You can't miss this. I want to show you, you know, this is where we're going to go. Is there something that pops into your mind that says, this is where we're taking our guests who are visiting us from out of town? Yeah, there are a few places. One of the things I love about Philadelphia, our food scene. Yeah. And uh, we've done some work for Steven Starr. One of our prouder projects, small though it might be, is we did the the mezzanine at Budokan. Oh, uh, very and, cool. you know, Budokan, I think, is celebrating 20 years this year and marks a time in my mind when, like, everything changed. Yeah. Like, old City changed. Yeah. Now it was cool to come to Old City and, sure. and eat. And I still eat at Budokan and think, think it's a fabulous place. But one place that comes to mind, we were just talking about it last night, is uh, my Italian shows through, and yeah. there's a place that opened on Chestnut Street called the Grand Café L'Acola. Oh, nice. And it's a restaurant that was almost entirely imported from Italy. Yeah. 18th, I think, right? Between 17th and 18th. Yeah. It's like a bistro on the first floor, yeah. a wine bistro, and then you go upstairs, and it's a phenomenal restaurant. Yeah. It's an experience. And yeah. I'm all about experiences. I'm actually leaving for London Friday night to go to the Birds game. Nice. And then off to uh, Tuscany for a few days. Nice. To experience you know, my heritage. So that's one place in particular. But then there's the old standby of the saloon, place that I think embodies Philadelphia yep. as much as any place that's opened, you know, any of the new places that have opened. And my wife's from South Philly, so, you know, we frequent all the different places in South Philly, whether yep. it's Rouse or Villa de Roma or, yep. you know, any of those places. And then I might take them, uh, you know, the next morning before they head out of town, I'll take them up to Johnny Hot's and get them a, a pork roll, egg, and cheese and send them on their way. Nice. That's great. <laughs> that's classic. I love it. Yeah. Really, really perfect. Tony, you have achieved a lot of great success, and I know your dad must be really proud of you. And, you know, for you to come in and share with us the story about how you've been able to grow the business at O'Donnell and Nakarado, we're really appreciative. And we're equally appreciative of the fact that you and your team, from a structural engineering perspective, are a key ingredient that is really helping to grow our region. So thank you for sharing your story right here on Growing Greater Philadelphia. Well, thank you. And we are thrilled to be part of this renaissance, this uh, bringing Philadelphia and the region back to its glory days. And we just uh, we just look forward to a brighter future and uh, hopefully an opportunity to help some folks along the way. Absolutely. And we at Select Greater Philadelphia will be right there with you. Sounds great. Thanks, Tony. Thank you. Hey, this segment of Growing Greater Philadelphia is brought to us by Independence Blue Cross. They're a proud sponsor of Select Greater Philadelphia. Independence Blue Cross is the largest health insurer of the Philadelphia region, serving more than 2.5 million people locally and 8.5 million people in 23 states and Washington, D.C. You can learn more about Independence Blue Cross at ibx.com. Check out all of our podcasts and tune in Friday mornings, 5 a.m. on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks so much for listening to Growing Greater Philadelphia. 
Every Sunday, Face the Nation brings you in-depth interviews with the biggest names in Washington. Kellyanne Conway, Nancy Pelosi, Lindsey Graham, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. You'll never miss an episode with the weekly podcast from CBS News Radio. Tune in to hear moderator Margaret Brennan and the country's top policymakers discuss today's toughest issues. What is going on? Is this political conspiracy or is this just incompetence? The Face the Nation podcast. Download and subscribe at the newradio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts.